Sankhya is divided into five sections known as Nikayas, collections. The Diga Nikaya, or collection of long discourses, the middle length, or Majima Nikaya, the Samyutta Nikaya, grouped collection, the Anguttara Nikaya, or further factored collection, and the Kudaka Nikaya, the collection of little texts. This recording includes readings from each of the five Nikayas. Our main text, the Dhammapada, is found in the Kudaka Nikaya. An excellent summary of Buddhist belief and practice, the Dhammapada is a comprehensive guide to living with wisdom and compassion. Each verse is understood to have been spoken by the Buddha in response to a particular question or situation, and this immediacy is reflected in the text's practical nature its directness in addressing how best to live one's life. The text has been translated many times since its first appearance in a Western language, Latin, in 1855. This recording uses a version translated by the English teacher Sangharakshida, first published in 2001. The first and second CDs in this set of three contain the reading of the Dhammapada, each section being prefaced by a short introduction to its major themes or symbolism. These introductions also explain technical words or ideas that might need clarification. The remainder of Disc 2 includes selections from a number of texts introduced with some remarks on the Buddha's approach to teaching and chosen to give a flavor of the voice of the Buddha. Disc 3 explores Dhamma, using passages from the Buddhist scriptures to introduce various ideas, values, and practices. The word sutta literally means thread, as one might string beads or precious stones together to make a necklace or sweet-smelling flowers to make a garland. The suttas thread together the words of the Buddha and his disciples. This collection of texts from the Sutta Pitaka, partial though it is, introduces the scriptural tradition of Buddhism and offers at least a glimpse of the riches of the tradition. Pairs The Dhammapada's first chapter contains the pith of the Buddha's teachings on mental and ethical discipline. The opening statement, that mind precedes experience, prepares the ground for the succeeding teachings on cultivating purity, love, stability, moderation and contentment. Though some stanzas specifically describe wearers of yellow robes, that is, monks, the attitudes and practices enjoined are applicable to and attainable by all. In this chapter, an important figure from Buddhist mythology is introduced. Mara is the embodiment of evil, representing forces that obstruct the attainment of enlightenment. Experiences are preceded by mind, led by mind and produced by mind. If one speaks or acts with an impure mind, suffering follows even as the cartwheel follows the hoof of the ox drawing the cart. Experiences are preceded by mind, led by mind and produced by mind. If one speaks or acts with a pure mind, happiness follows like a shadow that never departs. Those who entertain such thoughts as, He abused me, he beat me, he conquered me, he robbed me, will not still their hatred. Those who do not entertain such thoughts as, He abused me, he beat me, he conquered me, he robbed me, will still their hatred. Not by hatred are hatreds ever pacified here in the world. 
they are pacified by love. This is the eternal law. Others do not realize that we are all heading for death. Those who do realize it will compose their quarrels. As the wind blows down a weak tree, so Mara overthrows one who lives seeing the unlovely as lovely, whose senses are uncontrolled, who is immoderate in food, lazy, and of inferior vigor. As the wind does not blow down the rocky mountain peak, so Mara does not overthrow one who lives seeing the unlovely as unlovely, whose senses are controlled, who is moderate in food, and whose faith and vigor are aroused. He is not worthy of the yellow robe, who takes it while still not free from impurity, and lacking in self-restraint and truth. He is worthy of the yellow robe, who has made an end to all impurity, who is well established in virtuous conduct, and who is endowed with self-restraint and truth. Those who take the unreal for the real, and who in the real see the unreal, they, wandering in the sphere of wrong thought, will not attain the real. Those who have known the real as the real, and the unreal as the unreal, they, moving in the sphere of right thought, will attain the real. As the rain penetrates the badly thatched house, so lust enters the spiritually undeveloped mind. As the rain does not penetrate into the well-thatched house, so lust does not enter the spiritually well-developed mind. The evildoer grieves in both worlds. He grieves here and he grieves there. He suffers and torments himself, seeing his own foul deeds. The doer of good rejoices in both worlds. He rejoices here and he rejoices there. He rejoices and is glad, seeing his own pure deeds. The evildoer burns in both worlds. He burns here and he burns there. He burns with remorse, thinking he has done evil, and he burns with suffering, having gone after death to an evil state. The doer of good delights in both worlds. He delights here and he delights there. He delights in this life, thinking he has done good, and he delights after death, having gone to a state of happiness. He who, for his own benefit, constantly recites the canonical literature, but does not act accordingly, that heedless man, like a cowherd that counts the cows of others, is not enriched by the ascetic life. He who, for his own benefit, recites even a little of the canonical literature, but lives in accordance with its principles, abandoning craving, hatred and delusion, possessed of right knowledge, with mind well freed, clinging to nothing in this or any other world, he is enriched by the ascetic life. Mindfulness Many forms of Buddhist meditation cultivate mindfulness with the aim of unifying and focusing the meditator's energies. Such practices offer increasing stability and freedom from the tendency towards distraction of the undisciplined mind and the untrained heart's susceptibility to ups and downs. The immortal, or deathless, mentioned in this chapter is one of many synonyms for nirvana, the goal of Buddhist practice, identified here as a state of freedom from death and rebirth. Mindfulness is the way to the immortal. 
unmindfulness the way to death. Those who are mindful do not die, whereas the unmindful are like the dead. Knowing the distinction of mindfulness, the spiritually mature rejoice in mindfulness and take delight in the sphere of the noble ones. Absorbed in superconscious states, recollected and ever exerting themselves, those wise ones realize nirvana, the unsurpassed security. Whoever is energetic, recollected, pure in conduct, considerate, self-restrained, of righteous life and mindful, the glory of such a one waxes exceedingly. By means of energy, mindfulness, self-restraint and control, let the wise one make for himself an island that no flood can overwhelm. Out of their evil understanding, the spiritually immature abandon themselves to unmindfulness. The wise one guards mindfulness as his chief treasure. Do not abandon yourselves to unmindfulness. Have no intimacy with sensuous delights. The mindful person, absorbed in superconscious states, gains ample bliss. As a dweller in the mountains looks down on those who live in the valley, so the spiritually mature person, the hero free from sorrow, having driven out unmindfulness by means of mindfulness, ascends to the palace of wisdom and looks down at the sorrowful, spiritually immature multitude below. Mindful among the unmindful, wide awake among the sleeping, the man of good understanding forges ahead like a swift horse outdistancing a feeble.